You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Amen. Good evening and welcome to Southridge. So excited to see each and every one of you. Uh, Thank you for making the trip out in this weather. I don't know about you, a little bit wet, a little bit gloomy out there, but I'm so glad that didn't stop many of you from attending this evening. God bless you. Welcome. Excited to see you. Glad that you are here. Glad that you're together. You're healthy. You're staying safe and strong. And I'm just looking forward to a great time in God's Word this evening. If you have a copy of the Bible, would you open to the book of Exodus? Exodus chapter number 15. And uh, what a just a tremendous week. And uh, we're in a series that we started just a few weeks ago entitled Faith Over Fear. So many times today, it's easy to look at everything that's happening with COVID. It's everything that's happening with the political climate, everything that's happened in the new year. And for you and I just feel a little bit overwhelmed, maybe bombarded by all of it. And it's one thing as a child of God to know that we can have faith over our fears, that no matter what you and I are going through, that there is a hope that we can look to, that there is a peace that you and I can have. And it's so important for every child of God to understand that. And so it's so important that as we gather together, that we see that God's word is going to help guide us through in this desperate day and hour. And I'm so glad that you're here. And this is your first time at Southridge. Welcome. I hope you would take a moment and fill out a connection card. And then on your way out, you can stop by our guest center we'd love to give you a special gift and just by way of saying thank you for being our guest today but we're in a series that we started two weeks ago and we kicked off week number one talking about exits not endings because too often you and I we're always looking to maybe escape a situation or how can we quickly exit the situation instead of asking God would you lead us out of this in your time and waiting on God and then last week we talked about how we can feel trapped And we looked at chapter number 14, how the children of Israel, they came to the Red Sea crossing. And it was easy for them to maybe feel like, God, you tricked us in leading us here. And not only did you trick us, God, on top of that, you trapped us here. But then we learned that God is turning the tables on the enemy, that God wants to do a new thing. And so this evening, I'd love for you to give my title to your neighbor. And I think it's fitting for tonight. And it's simply this. Don't worry about the water. Would you just touch your neighbor next to you and just say, hey, don't worry about the water. Don't worry about the water. Don't worry about the water. I know uh, many of you drove in here. Maybe there's a little bit of rain and a little bit of water. But uh, you and I, we don't have to worry about it. And that title is going to make a little bit more sense as we dive into God's word uh, this evening. But as we get going, uh, I don't know about you, but too often it seems like we forget things sooner than we should. Uh, I have a bad habit. My wife, whenever she sends me to Costco, she knows I'm going to buy more than what's on the list. And then I'll tell her, but I forgot. I I didn't know. I I forgot. And uh, she'll say, no, 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 I don't don't think you forgot. And uh, so I I have a bad habit of forgetting things that I should remember. But let me ask you this question, and I want you to think about a number in your mind. What is the number in your mind? How long does it take you to forget a good meal? Just in your mind, like, like is it a couple days? You don't have to say it out loud. Is it a couple days, two days, three days, a week? Well, let me ask you this. How long does it take you to forget a gift that somebody gave you? A couple days, a few weeks, a few hours? Let me ask you another question. Those of you that are in a relationship, how long does it take you to forget how good your spouse is? 45 minutes? Three years? A decade? A week? I find that I forget how good God is very quickly. Like, I would like to think that when it comes to the goodness of God and all the things that he's blessed me with, that I would like to think that I just kind of live in that zone, that I'm always just feeling blessed and excited about all the riches that God has poured out. But sadly, I forget 
so quickly how good God is. Just like I forget all too quickly how good my spouse is, my wife is. I can forget so quickly how good uh, my children are, the church that I get to be around. It's amazing how quickly we forget. But as we look at Exodus 15, we're not the only ones to forget. Because we're coming to a passage of scripture, we're going to pick up the latter half of the chapter. Because just prior to what we're going to read tonight, the children of Israel are singing and worshiping and praising God for delivering them from the Egyptians. Okay? So notice if you would, let's begin reading in verse number 15, or excuse me, chapter 15, verse 22. The Bible says this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I asked you a question. How long does it take for you to forget God's goodness and the good things around you? I'm just curious. How many would say your number was longer than three days? Did anybody have a number longer than three days? A few of you are saying, yeah, a little bit longer. Mine was under the three days. But apparently it takes us less than three days to forget God's miracles. Imagine the children of Israel. They just walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, and then they watched their enemies destroyed forever. And three days later, what are they complaining about? Water. The very thing that they were afraid of, now they want more of. Isn't that so much like human nature? The very thing we can be complaining about in one season, the very next season we're going to complain that we don't have enough of it. I mean, in one season, you can't stand your spouse. In the other season, you're saying, I can't spend enough time with my spouse. And you're complaining about that. In one season, you want to have children. In another season, you don't want the children around. It's amazing how, how, how we can just flip-flop on these things. And so the children of Israel, here God is leading them. And verse 24, all of a sudden, they start to complain. And the Bible says, and the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance to them, and there he tested them. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, and I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Verse 27, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. The last time you were uncomfortable was the last time you grew. Let me say it again. The last time you were uncomfortable was the last time you grew. In my life, I've noticed that I tend to resist uncomfortable situations. I tend to, even when it comes to a hotel room, you want to check the room, and if it's not quite adequate, you go back down to the desk and you say, hey, that's not a very comfortable room. I'd like another, please. You go to a restaurant, not anymore, used to, now it's too late by the time the food gets to your house. It's kind of the restaurant, it doesn't matter if you ordered it rare, medium rare, well done. It doesn't matter. You're getting it how it is. There's no sending it back, okay? So, but it used to be if you didn't like the meal, you could send it back. If there was something you didn't like in life, you could just deal with it. But we like comfort. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. But as Christians, we're kind of in a cruise ship mentality. It's this cruise ship, but it's not a battleship mentality. It's, I want to be comfortable. The only problem is, when you and I get comfortable, we don't change. And God is all about creating inside of you. He's trying to conform you and I to his image. He's about this process. It's called the process of sanctification. It's you and I becoming more like Christ. It's less of ourselves and more of Christ. But God's process to do that is a process of uncomfortable and difficult places. 
So you and I, because of human nature, we resist the difficult. We resist the hard. We try to stay away from it. It's why some of us are kind of glad the gyms are closed down in January. We're like, yeah, I got me a good excuse why I can't lose weight and work out. The gyms are closed. It don't matter that Target sells weights. It don't matter that you can go on YouTube and watch the videos. That don't matter. I need to be at a gym. I have to pay a membership. That's the only way this thing works. And so you and I, we, don't, we kind of avoid the difficult. But the problem is, the last time you and I were in a difficult circumstance or situation, you and I grew from that, didn't we? We learned some things. I remember my first car. I remember uh, somebody, uh, it, it got wrecked. And so a buddy of mine was like, hey, that's just scrap, so I'll buy it from you. And I was like, sure, not a problem. So I handed him a, he handed me $100 for this beat-up 1984 white Honda Accord. And I was like, cool, I got 100 bucks for a car I can't do anything with. Only problem, a summer later... I get a bill from this collection service that I now owe the county $1,000 because my vehicle was an impound. He said, what happened? I never signed over the car that he's the new owner. He never took it to the DMV. So what happened? Uh, somebody stole the car from him. I didn't realize he got it to work. And then the sheriff had it in impound for a year. Guess who they billed for the impound? Me. That $100 ended up costing me $1,000. I learned from that situation. It's amazing. You and I, we can go through uh, relationships and we can learn things through relationships. We can go through difficult circumstances in a job and we learn from it. But in life, God will take us to some difficult places. Right here, we see the children of Israel, they hit a wall. You say, what do you mean? I, I don't see any wall. Yeah, they, they, they hit a wall. Here's the Bible even says in verse number 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. There they went out into the wilderness of Shur. You say, sure, what's, what's that? Well, the word sure is actually the word wall. The children of Israel had now hit a wall in their life. And I feel like too often you and I, we hit a wall. And when it gets difficult, that's when we start to complain. Have you hit a wall recently? I don't know if you've recently hit a wall, but I, I think I've hit my wall. You say, it's kind of early, Pastor, to already be hitting your wall. Yeah, even though it's early in the year, I can hit my wall with some things. There's some paperwork I've been trying to file for the last 90 days that I've been trying to get this paperwork filed and they keep resending it. Oh, we need this. We need this paperwork. And I've hit my wall. I've hit my wall with things that are going on in government. I've hit my wall when I stood at the courthouse with many of you on Thursday. I've hit my wall on some things. And here are the children of Israel. They've hit a wall. And notice what they do when they hit the wall. They complained. They murmured when they hit their wall. What do you do when you hit your wall? When you hit the wall with the spouse, hit the wall with the kids, have you hit your wall? And you say, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. I don't know if I can deal with everything that's coming on. This situation is getting too difficult. And a lot of people tonight, your wall may be stress, impatience, fear, doubt, and discouragement. But the Israelites, they hit their wall. And their wall was a wall of water. They didn't have any water to drink. Imagine that. Here they are wandering through the desert. And it says they were three days from the Dead Sea, Red Sea, excuse me, three days. I can imagine the first day, there's roughly two to three million people. The first day, you know, you're a little bit parched, but it's a good thing everybody filled up their hydro flask. It's a good everything, everything, everybody had their camelbacks, you know, everybody was well prepared for that first day. You know, a little uncomfortable, not as much water as you'd like to drink. You're kind of rationing it. Reminds me of my childhood a little bit. And then, so the first day's inconvenient. The second day, though, there's still no water. And all of a sudden, it's the second day where you start looking around at the children. It's the second day where you're looking at the animals and you're saying, they need water. And you're in the middle of the desert and there's no water. But by the third day, it's gone beyond desperate to deadly. You know how many days a human being can go without water? Three days. And it's been three days. And they had hit their wall. And maybe you feel like, man, that's exactly how I feel right now. That God has pushed me to my physical extreme. I don't know if I can take anymore. I don't know if I can last any longer. Like God, you have just stretched me this year. The job's not working out. The economy's not working out. Spiritually things aren't working out. And I've just hit this wall and I don't know what to do. But I want you to see how they handle it. Because oftentimes... How we handle a thing really determines what we'll get out of it. 
And many times we can handle a situation in a good way or an improper way. And that will lead to future consequences. You see, right here is a desperate circumstance, but it revealed something. I think this whole uh, shelter-in-place, COVID-19 political thing, I think it's just been the great revealer. It's revealed what's really inside of us. And this situation has revealed Israel's relationship and reliance on God. It's revealed how strong those are. And it's revealing that they can only go three days without getting irritated at God. That's what it's revealed. Now, before we get too critical at them, before we want to gang up on the Israelites, it's good to know where your baseline is. Any of you that go to the gym, you kind of want to find out what your weightlifting baseline is. You just don't grab and say, hey, how many weights you got on this bar? Just throw them all on. I'm going to lift that. No, you'll hurt yourself. I've tried. Trust me, you'll hurt yourself. It's one thing where you just say, you know what, I'm going I'm to take on all these things at once. You don't, you don't do that. You've got to find a baseline. And here, the children of Israel, God is growing them. He's maturing them. So they found a baseline. And their baseline is they can only go three days. Maybe you can only go one day without complaining about something. Maybe you say, Lord, help me to go two days without complaining. Help me to go three days. Before we judge Israel, we need to say, God, what are you revealing in my life? We go a day, we don't get enough likes or we don't get enough hits on our social media. We get frustrated, we get irritated at our friends, people aren't texting us back, things are happening. Instead, we need to say, God, what are you trying to reveal in my life? God is trying to reveal how good is your relationship with Jesus and how strong is your reliance on him? How strong is your faith? Because you and I are gonna hit some walls in life. We're gonna hit a wilderness of sure. We're going to walk through the wilderness. We're going to go through those difficult times. But how strong is our faith in those moments? And so we see that in that moment, look how Moses handles it. I love it. The Bible says this. And when the people complain in verse 24, what shall we drink? Verse 25 says, so he cried out to the Lord. That's how Moses handled his wall. Moses said, I know what to do about this. When I've hit a wall, I cry out to God. Is that your first response and my first response? That when we hit a wall, we cry out to God? Or is yours, no, no, I know where I'm going to cry out to. I'm going to cry out to the manager and say, hey, you owe me more and demand something. I'm going to cry out to my spouse and make sure they change their attitude. What, where do you cry out to? Or you find yourself in this moment, in this season saying, you know what? I find myself praying a lot more than I ever have. I find myself in God's word far more than I ever have. Because that's what seasons like this should do to us. It should be strengthening our relationship and our reliance on God. Somebody should be watching as you and I are going through this, and you and I are not going to do this perfectly, but you and I should be able to come through this and say, you know what? God grew me in that season. Because the last time you were in a difficult circumstances is the last time you and I grew. And yet you and I are so hesitant. We're always pushing back against God growing us. That's why we'll avoid difficult circumstances. Instead of saying, God, you know what? Lead me to the fire. Lead me to the place where you will grow me. Let the refiner's fire purify me. Because then we could say like Job, then I will come forth as a gold. I will come forth more valuable, more prized. Because I allowed God's refining fire to purify me. Because that's what happened. So we see, first of all, there was a wall. Next, we see that there was some water. Their problem was they couldn't drink the water. They even gave a name to this place. Its original name was not Mara. Mara means bitter. This water was brackish. This water is something that, just imagine you're so thirsty, and all of a sudden you just want to drink. And then you take that first mouthful, and you just spit it out. It's disgusting. It's kind of like any of you ever had a newborn, and then they hand you their sippy cup, here, mama, dada, drink. And you're just like, oh no. You see all those floaties, you shake it up, just all those floaties floating in there. And you pretend to drink it. Mm. And then they see that you didn't swallow. You're like, you're 11 months old. How'd you know I didn't swallow? They're like, no, really? And then they kind of make sure you drink it. And this is that water. And at first they really wanted it. At first they thought, man, this water's going to be something great. This water's going to be this just what we need. This is going to satisfy everything we've ever longed for. This is the water that's going to make the difference. And you know, it's, it's kind of like a candy bar. Any of you like chocolate? Any, any Ghirardelli chocolate fans? Oh, we got some Ghirardelli chocolate fans. That's amazing. Megan, I'm going to borrow you. How about you come on, come on up here? 
And uh, I'm, I'm going to borrow you for a second. Because I know Megan loves chocolate. And I know she loves Ghirardelli chocolate, specifically. So it, I think it'll be okay with your mom if I give you some chocolate right here in service. I don't think she'll mind too much. But I'm going to give you some Ghirardelli chocolate. Because, I mean, we're in the Bay Area, after all. And there's nothing better than a piece of Ghirardelli chocolate. And uh, so let me just break off a piece. And why don't you try a piece of Ghirardelli chocolate? And it's okay just to give it a piece. How does that taste, Megan? Tastes like dark chocolate. Well, it's actually bitter chocolate that you actually cook with. How many of you, you, you've been waiting to bite into something, but it's okay, Megan, I planned it. All right, here you go, catch, okay, there you go. Little prize for you. How many of you and I, we, we, we see this, this chocolate, and we're like, that looks so good, only to find out it's bitter chocolate, it's for recipes. It's so disappointing. It's wrapped in the nice pretty foil. It looks like a delicious Hershey bar. That's how the children of Israel felt. They felt like finally in the middle of the desert were saved after three days and they get to the water and they're so disappointed. And many of you, we feel the same way. And God wants to remind you something. And I want to bring up my title. Don't worry about the water. Don't worry about the water. If God in one season, three days prior, can make the water split apart, don't you think he can handle the water here? Don't you think he can change it? Don't you think a God who could form our country out of the most impossible circumstances, those of you that are history buffs, don't you think that God can take care of us right now in the season we're in? The God who has seen our church this Sunday, this coming Sunday will be our seven-year anniversary. The God who has seen us through this, don't you think he'll see us through in the future? The God that has seen us through most difficult circumstances, don't you think the same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever will carry us through into the future? Because that's the same God that we serve. And so you and I don't need to get disappointed that, oh man, well, I thought that was going to be better than it was. God can change it. God can change the circumstance. God can fix it. But you know the thing about Mara? It doesn't just mean bitter. It also means rebellious. You know, when the Bible says the children of Israel began to murmur and complain, it wasn't the murmur and complaining that you experience when you're at the McDonald's drive through and all the kids want something else and they're complaining that you're not getting it for them. No, no, this wasn't simply something they were saying. This was something that was going on in their heart. What was going on in their heart was, man, I want to go back to Egypt. I don't want to be here. Whose idea was it to leave Egypt? Because that's what constantly Israel was always doing. It wasn't so good back in Egypt. Because their heart was rebellious towards who? To the very God who rescued them. The very God who saved them. So in this season, you know what you and I actually have to guard? is not the complaining but the heart. Because in this season, it's one thing that we experience something bitter. And you and I are always going to go through seasons where we're going to experience bitter water. And right now, you might be in a bitter water season. We just say, it just seems like life is bitter to the touch. It's bitter to the taste. There just seems like nothing is going right. You have to, in that moment, guard your heart. Because it's real easy to have a bitter heart. It's real easy to want to say like Naomi, don't call me Naomi anymore, but call me Mara call me bitter. She was giving herself a new identity. She was saying, this is what's in my heart. Bitterness never finds a home in a healthy heart. Bitterness only finds a home in a heart that has gone and allowed itself to get corrupted. And the children of Israel, they are now turning rebellious here in this situation. Because why? They didn't get the water. Really, it came down to their worries. They were worried. In this situation, we see that they had just overcome a very similar circumstance. But it reminds me, you can win a battle and still lose the war. They won a battle one chapter earlier, but they're losing the war, aren't they? You and I, we often think that, man, I just have to fight temptation one time and I'll never deal with it. Not true. Oh, I just have to deal with this sin issue one time and I never have to deal with it again. Not true. There are sometimes you and I are going to have to fight a battle over and over and over. And worry is that battle that you and I are fighting right now. They were worrying and they were complaining and they were fearful. But yet you and I are going to have to say, you know what? This is a battle that's always going to come up in my life. And I'm going to have to overcome this battle. Question for you. Going back to the history buffs. Who won the Vietnam War? America or Vietnam? 
The accurate answer would be nobody. It was a war that dragged out almost 25 years at the cost of 57,000 American lives. What happened over that long space of time? Who won? There was no declared winner. America just stopped fighting. But here's what's interesting, those of you that know history. How many of the Viet Cong died? America lost 57,660. Viet Cong lost 1.1 million. I mean, they won no decisive victories. They lost almost all of them. Why is it that America stopped the world's superpower? What happened? The Viet Cong knew something. They had been at war for a long time. And they knew that we're just going to keep fighting. We're not going to surrender. They understood that we just keep going. They understood that just because you lose one battle doesn't mean you lose the war. So they kept on going. You and I need to have that mentality in our Christian life. That it says, you know what? Yes, today I will fight the battle and tomorrow I'm going to fight another battle. You and I are standing right now as a church for religious liberty. We are standing taking that fight. And each day it seems like, why are we doing this fight? Because it's making a difference. You say, how much of a difference? Last week, this time, the judge was planning to throw pastors in jail for five days and personally fine them $30,000. That's what the judge told our lawyers. On Thursday at the court case, the judge said, oh no, I never had that on the table. I think that's the God working. I think that is God saying, I'm going to be with those who will take a stand and say, hey, we're going to fight in this season. That we are going to fight this battle. So there are some battles you and I are going to have to fight. But too often when it comes to this thing of worry, fear, and stress, we let it whip us. We let it beat us. Please write this down. What worries you masters you. In this season, what was worrying them? Water. It's interesting. Jesus says something powerful in Matthew 6, verse 31 and 34. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Isn't it interesting that God knows that you have a need for food, drink, and clothing? God knows that you have those needs. But here the children of Israel, they are complaining about the very thing that God has said, I will take care of that. So right now, there's some things that each and every one of us here in this room, we need tonight. But if you start worrying over those things, those things will become your master. Those things will enslave you. What worries you masters you. What are you being mastered by this evening? Because God wants control of our hearts. God wants to lead us in this season. And this is a season for Christians to say, you know what, God, I need to follow you as closely as possible. I need to be in this word. I need to be in this book. I need to be on my knees because God, this season, I won't make it unless I'm in this book. I won't make it unless I'm on my knees. I won't make it unless I have the church. I won't make it, God, unless you guide me. This is the season for it. This is not a season for us to just uh, casually approach Christianity. This is a season where we say, you know, God, this is right. You're trying to reveal how strong my relationship is with you. So God, whatever my baseline is, this is where I'm going to start. And guess what? I'm going to get better from here. I'm going to grow from here. This is a season where you and I need to make a decision that we're going to grow. And we're going to say, God, this is difficult. It's hard. But I trust you to be with me. I trust you to guide me. That's what we do when we hit that wall. We say, God, help me. You see, God had to show him something. Notice this, verse 25. The Bible says, so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. I find that verse interesting because it didn't appear on the radar. It wasn't something that Moses was instantly like, hey, here's a tree. This is great. We're saved. That's not, that's not what happened. But God has to point out something. And I find that you and I too often allow bitterness to block our view. We allow things that we worry about distract us because you will find that in the valley, God becomes most visible. You will find in those desperate moments, that's where you see the deliverer that much clearer because you'll understand that God, there's no way out of this. There's no way out of this debt. There's no way to save this marriage. God, there's no way to save the economy. God, there's no way to save this country. It's all on you. And God's like, exactly. That's all I've ever wanted. I've wanted you to come to the point where you realize that nothing and no one can save you but your God. 
And that's what they needed to see because God points out a tree, which I think is just awesome. Because this tree is going to do something great. In this passage, the Bible says that Moses, he takes this tree and he throws it into the water and it makes the water sweet. It turns the bitter to sweet. God uses this branch, this tree, and he throws it in there. And what happens? Something wonderful happens. You see, the answer is the tree. Israel's whole life had been centered on, up until this time, Pharaoh. For 430 years, Pharaoh was God, ruler, everything. And so God was trying to do something in the situation. God was trying to show them that, guess what? You can't have a Pharaoh-centered life anymore. You need a God-centered life. And so he began to give these pictures. He began to point out to Jesus and to himself that Jesus is our hope. Because you will find that just like these people, they didn't want to drink that bitter water. What did Jesus say in Gethsemane, Matthew 24? Father, if it be possible, let this bitter cup pass from me. Even Jesus wanted to pass on a bitter drink of water. Even Jesus had the moment. But then he goes on to say, but not my will, but thine. So we see that there's a picture of Jesus right here in Exodus 15. In the Old Testament, you see here's a picture of Jesus, how he can change things. Because they threw this, this branch into the water. But here's what's so amazing. The word here that they're using for tree has a double meaning. You say, what do you mean? The word tree also means the word Torah. You know what the word, the Torah, is the first five books of the Old Testament. You and I call it the Pentateuch. It's first Matthew, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books. So the tree was not only a place of healing, but it's also a place of teaching. So God was trying to say, hey, this branch is going to be a place of healing, and I'm also going to teach you out of this. I'm going to teach you out of my word. Let me ask you a question. What you're going through right now, have you consulted God's word how to get out of it? Have you consulted the Bible how to fix it? Because in this passage, God is teaching us something. He's trying to point us to himself. You want a God-centered life? Guess what? A God-centered life starts in God, God's word. You, can't, you and I can't go a day without eating. We shouldn't go a day without reading. We should be in God's word. And you say, I'm not a good reader. Then, then put it on a podcast and listen to it. And do whatever you got to do to say, I need God's word in this season. I need it more now than ever. And God reveals something to us. He also goes on to say, hey, not only is this a, this a place of healing, because he even changes his name. Verse 26, and he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is where you get a name of God, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. But I thought that God healed the water. At the end of verse 26, who does it say he healed? You. What was there to heal? Well, go back to Mara. Mara didn't just stand for bitterness, but also rebellion, which was in their heart. You know, you and I have a heart problem that needs to be healed first and foremost. If we don't know Jesus as our Savior, that's where we've got to start. That we need to have our hearts healed. That Jesus is saying, yes, yes, I'll take care of the diseases, but guess what? I, I also will take care of the water. But I'm here to heal you, you and I. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost, Luke 19. That's the reason Jesus came, to provide the ultimate healing that you and I need. And in this season, this is what Jesus is trying to point them to. That, that it wasn't this place that was the problem. It was their heart that was the problem. And we all need healing. We all need God to step in. And maybe right now you're saying, yes, I need healing. I need healing the way I'm thinking about worry. I need healing the way I'm feeling about my emotions. I need healing. Maybe it is literally physical healing. You just say, I need healing. I read a book this past week, a pastor who had horrible asthma, never went anywhere without his inhaler. And then in the book, he began to just pray about uh, God healing his asthma. And then he said, he gave a testimony in the book that he's six years without any asthma attacks. Six years where he hasn't had his inhaler. And it was just amazing to him. And it got me thinking, this week I had another uh, certain procedure done on my ears. I have horrible hearing. And as I was reading the book, I was like, I've never asked God to heal my hearing. 
And I was even joking with my doctor. He was like, are you sure you want me to fix this? Because then you'll be able to hear your wife a lot better. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of a good point. You know, it's kind of like now I, I got a reason why I can't hear her, you know, and it's kind of justified. It's a medical condition, honey. You can't, you can't look at me and get mad at me. It's, a, it's the doctor's fault, you know, and uh, uh, he's like, if I fix this, you know, you're not going to have that anymore. So we had a good laugh over that. But then I was thinking, man, I've never asked God for that physical healing. Maybe you find yourself and you say, Lord, I need to pray for that physical healing. This is an encouraging passage because it's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We believe in a God who heals. This is, this is a who your God is. is a God who wants to heal. There was a song by Paul Simon, and it's called The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. You and I don't have a bridge over troubled waters, but we have a branch over bitter waters. And Jesus is that branch. He's that vine. He's that one in this season. And while you and I are going through it, while you've hit your wall, you don't know what to do with the water, I want to remind you of something. You and I are called to be warriors, not worriers. But how many times do we give in to worry in this season? And it's tempting. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to say, I've got to preach this message myself. Because it's real easy to turn on the news and all of a sudden be bombarded by everything and just want to give in to worry. Instead, understand that we are more than conquerors through Christ. And we remember what God has called us, what God has called his bride, his church to be. And God will heal. God will guide us in this season. And so we look to him because Jesus' suffering leads to the greatest sweetness in life. Jesus going to the cross is the ultimate suffering. But it leads to our salvation. So there is joy out of the deepest sorrow. There is joy out of the most bitter things in life. The most awful things in life, even God can turn those around. But then I want you to see verse 27. The Bible says, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. And I love that verse. Matter of fact, have you ever asked God this question? Why God wouldn't just take you in a straight line to all the good stuff in life? Like, you know God has good things for you. The Bible even says in Psalms, behold, at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. You're like, God, can you just hurry up and direct me to those pleasures, those, your right hand? It seems like I'm dealing with your left hand. I don't know what's in your left hand, but I, I'm always getting the right hand, not the left hand, God. Can, can we get a straight line to that? I, I mean, why would God take him to this place called Mara? I mean, why would God lead him there? Have you ever just wondered why God allowed you to go through cancer? Why God allowed you to go through divorce? Why did God allow you to go through the layoff? Why did God allow our country to go through 2020? Why did God allow these things to happen? The divorce? Have you ever just sat there and just thought, God, I know that you're powerful enough just to avoid it. And that's what, really, as I read this passage, I was like, well, what was all the other stuff for? God, if you had 12 wells and 70 palm trees, I mean, why are we, why are we messing around with a little bitter, brackish water? And why are we messing around with one little branch when you've got a nice oasis awaiting us? Why didn't you just lead them there, God? Then they wouldn't have complained. They wouldn't have had a rebellious heart. And then the Holy Spirit, through his word, began to show something. You see, Elam is a place of rest, but not of revelation. You say, what do you mean? What I mean is this. They didn't learn anything at Elam. This is the only time you see it mentioned. They leave a few days later, a blip out of sight. But Mara, you see that mentioned all throughout the rest of the scripture. Because it's our hardest moments that we learn our biggest lessons. And while you and I love rest, and I'm all about rest, I love my Fridays and Saturdays. I love those times where I could just kind of rest and relax. I love those days where I can just kind of uh, uh, get a little vacation, get some R&R. But those aren't the seasons where I walk away with a journal and a notebook and look at all these things that God taught me. It's the difficult moments. It's the moments where I was fired. It's the moments where I was in the breakup. It was the moments where I felt like things were falling apart. It was the moments where I didn't know what was happening with the church. It was those moments where I didn't know what was going to be on the horizon. It's in those moments that God taught me the most. And while you and I want rest, rest is never where we're going to receive the revelation. Because it was at Mara that God did so much at Mara. Because at Mara, God did more than just help them with some water. 
God also healed them of their rebellious heart. But then the Bible also let us know that God honored them with a new covenant. God even gave them a new covenant, verse 26. He makes a promise with them. And he makes this promise that no disease that came on the Egyptians will come on them if they will follow him. God did so much at Mara. And you and I, too often, we don't want the Mara places in our life. We want to skip those. We want to just keep on cruising by. We just want to go uh, pass, go, collect $200 and never look at the bad place. We want to skip Baltic Avenue. We don't want the difficult places. We just want the good cards. We want the good things in our life. But yet it's those awful places, the difficult places, the places you wouldn't even wish on your enemy. It's in that circumstance that God begins to reveal himself to you, that God begins to speak to you, that God begins to minister to you, that that's when God's word just seems to come alive in the hard places, the places where you cry yourself asleep at night, the places where you just feel like, God, I won't make it another day, the moments where you feel like, God, maybe suicide is the option, or maybe quitting is the option. It's in that moment that your God stands big and strong in your life, and you say, God, it's always been you it always will be you I will not give up because you are here you are good God and I will keep trusting you and I will stay faithful to you because you are the God that got me through the Mara and if God can get you through the Mara he can get you through tomorrow I know it's a bad preacher joke I'm sorry I just had to I know thank you for the polite laughter and the collective groan oh I work on those things all week I don't have a real job I'll be back next week five o'clock join me but it's our God who can see us through. You say they learned in that difficult place, they learned Jehovah Rapha, that they have a God who heals. Christian, everybody's afraid of dying right now from COVID. Even Christians are afraid. But we're the only ones who has a Jehovah Rapha, the one who say that our God heals. What other uh, religion out in the world can claim that? We have a God who heals. He can heal in this life, and if not in this life, he can heal in the next. Oh, church, this year we lost a dear saint. We lost Sophie, too. She'd been battling cancer. She showed up the second week of our church. My son Austin was just two, and she would watch him in our little nursery in the theater. Come on, some of you know the, the dark, dim theater where we'd have the little play gates and we'd put the little mats down. And that was Sophie. Every Sunday, she would go in there and she would hold the little kids. Oh, she was a sweet saint of God. Oh, we prayed for her healing. We asked God to heal her. Of all the people, I got a, I got a list of names that God can take if he wants to, but that, she was definitely not on that list. And you're thinking, God, why do you allow the best ones to go? And then I just remember... And I've shared this before. Whenever I'm at Disneyland and somebody's got the fast pass and cuts ahead of me in my three-hour wait, I'm not mad. I'm kind of jealous. They got to go on the ride before me. God just wanted to hasten her healing. And right now, you and I, we need to be reminded that we don't have to be afraid of the water. We don't have to worry about the water because we have a Jehovah Rapha. And maybe that's just what we need to remind all the other Christian brothers and sisters right now. Hey, you got a God who heals. Now, this is not me just saying, hey, never wash your hands and never be sanitary and just sneeze on everybody and bless them with that holy spittle. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying we have a God who can take care of us. That's why the early church could stay in Rome as the plagues were ravaging the city and all the citizens left, but the Christians stayed and they began to take care and minister to the people and they had a powerful testimony. Church, we can have a powerful testimony in this season. Yes, the county clerk was right there watching the message and in those moments, we've instructed our people to pray for them because they got a difficult job. We gotta pray for these people. Because they're facing things and they don't have God to face it with. And we need to pray that they have God. And yet when I see Christians who are worried and fearful, I'm saying, remember who your God is. Remember how good he is. But going back to that question, why wouldn't God just allow them to go straight to Elam? And then I'm reminded of this, that God is more focused on our development than on the destination. You and I are destination focused. You know that? When I get there, as soon as I get married, after I get married, as soon as I have kids, once I have kids, as soon as I don't have kids, as soon as I got a good paying job, as soon as I retire from that good paying job, man, as soon as I can get that house, as soon as I can get a bigger house, as soon as I get that car, as 
soon as I get a better car, as soon as I get those shoes, oh man, somebody scuffed them, so I need new shoes. As soon as I get that next thing, we're always just looking for that next thing. We're always just moving on. We're very destination focused. Well, God is more development focused. God is more about your character and who you are becoming. God is trying to conform you to the image of Christ. He's constantly making sure that his bride is a pure bride, a chaste bride, a pure bride, that that's what God is doing in this season. He's trying to burn away the dross, all the corruptible things. God is trying to purify you and I. And I know we're going through the fire. The church is going through the fire. But there's a pure bride coming through this COVID fire. And that's what this has been. And it's been a beautiful thing. It's been a beautiful thing to watch your faith grow. It's been a beautiful thing to watch your faith take a new level and go to a new level where you just see God stronger in your life. Some of you are talking about God's word coming alive and about what God is doing in your life in this season. And if it weren't for COVID, if it weren't for Mara, you wouldn't have that testimony. And so God was developing them. There's a quote that says, smooth seas never made a skillful sailor. And so right now in this moment, as we're going through it, as we're going through the bitter moments, Remember that God takes those and he makes those so they're better because it's the challenges that change us. And yet too often we don't want the challenge to change us. I find it so ironic that when I go to the gym, I love to tell and brag to people how much I can lift. Maybe it's just a guy thing, but we just want to lift more weight and then we want to tell everybody about it. But I notice I don't do that in any other area of my life. I don't go around and be like, man, today I had a flat tire. The wife yelled at me. The kids got my clothes stained. Man, my bank is overdraft. And guess what? I got fired. And man, what a day. I don't do that in any other area of my life. I don't brag about the hard things. But why is that? Maybe we should start bragging on all the hard things. Because it just means that God says I can trust you with it. Because Elam actually means strength. Please write that down. Elam means strength. While Mara may be suffering, you have to go through suffering to get stronger. And I know a lot of us don't want to go through suffering to get stronger. But my friend, God is more concerned about our development than the destination. And while we live in destination-obsessed culture, We've got to say, God, you're doing something with me right now. You have no idea how excited I am the day our church has a building. I love Calvary Chapel. I love Pastor Mike opening up his building to us. This is a beautiful facility. But guess what? I'm slightly jealous. I want one of our own where we can meet back on Sunday morning, where we can have the life groups together. We can have Sunday school together. We can have these things together. I can't wait for that day. But guess what? It takes a little bit of suffering to get to where we're stronger. And God right now in this season allowing us to go through it because this is the great revealer. And what God uses as suffering will make you and I stronger. And so tonight as we wrap things up, we're all on a daily wilderness walk. We're all going to hit the wall. We're all going to have things that we need like water. But God knows how to take it and provide the well. Christian, how many wells were there? Twelve. How many tribes were there? Twelve. How old was Jesus when he preached his first message? He's twelve. Twelve means authority in the Bible. It means God's over all of it. All of it. God stands in authority over it. You and I, as we follow God, we need to understand that God's in authority. It doesn't matter what else is happening. Because God says, no, no, no. I know that you're going to need 12 wells. Just like the 12 baskets of bread left over from the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Can't you see that God is all over this passage? We just read five verses. And we just covered the New Testament. We just saw the types of Christ. We just saw this big picture. And it's all about God. Because this is a passage where God was trying to break their Pharaoh-centeredness to get them to the God-centeredness. And that's what God's doing with you and I right now. And I'll repeat what I said when I began this message. That the last time you went through a difficult circumstance is the last time you grew. And so I am not wishing a difficult circumstance. But if you find yourself in one, you're going to come through this trial stronger, more pure. You're going to come through this with God doing something miraculous. And you're going to be able to turn around and stand in God's authority and say, he worked this out. 
Yeah, at first, man, I thought it looked real good and I bit into it and it was bitter, bitter chocolate. But man, at the other end of this, God did something great. And I stand as a testimony because I didn't give up. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand please? Tonight, God can heal your broken heart. Oh, I hate it when my friends and family have to taste bitter waters of life. And maybe you've tasted the bitterness. Maybe you find yourself in a dry desert. But tonight, we come to this passage. And I want to remind you that as Jesus closed the Bible in Revelation, one of the last invitations he gives is Revelation 21, verse 6. Come unto me, all ye who are thirsty, and I'll give you drink. Tonight, if you're not satisfied with life, tonight, if you've said, you know what, I've tried everything, and I've had a Pharaoh-centered life, not a God-centered life, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. I'm going to invite you to pray. Maybe you need to ask God for healing. Maybe there's something in your life where you said, I am in rebellion towards God. And tonight, God is calling you to come back, to come home to him, to lay your rebellion at the altar, to repent of that, and to say, God, I, I don't want to live in this morrow life. God, I want to have the life where there's the sweetness. And so tonight, maybe you need to come forward to the altar and repent. Or maybe you don't know Jesus, your Savior, and tonight you're going to invite him into your heart, and you're going to ask Jesus to be your Savior. As we stand, as we sing one final song, I'm going to invite you to slip out of your seat. Maybe you want to make an altar here in the front, or maybe you want to make an altar in your seat. But I invite you right now to slip out. I'm going to pray for you, but as I pray, you slip out. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can worship. We thank you that we can gather, even though it's difficult. Even though there might be people critical that we gathered here tonight. Lord, I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters who said that they're not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And God, may they find the blessing. May they taste not only the bitterness, but may they taste the sweetness that you offer. May they find that you are good. We're all going to hit the walls, God. But Lord, you're going to lead us to Elam, the place of strength, the place of authority. Pray your blessing on the rest of the service. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com slash connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com slash connect.